Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 60 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, as seen on DC Swamp Thing, Hector. <laughs> you're, never gonna, you're never gonna grow old of that, are you? No. Are you? As, are you? As, as like, do people still remember that show at this point? Oh, it makes me sad, but... <sighs> I'm still like we get Doom Patrol and you know we're getting a Super Pets movie but Swamp Things too much. Yep, too much. Too much. People can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Oh well, you know what that means. Strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for we've got comic sign. Better put the word out. Get ready for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring necks on. On today's episode of the Pullist, we have. Yet another wonderful show for you. We're going to hit the latest news, what you need to know, a few things about all those lovely TV shows. See what we did there? We connected it all together. Our must-pull recommendations from the past two weeks, our favorite new number ones, and so much more. This is a professional podcast. This is the Pull List Podcast. Maybe it's not professional. So, yeah, we should talk about some news. And kind of like we said last episode, fall is just kind of fall in comics. They stack all that stuff going into spring and summer. So summer's usually event season for comics. The fall is also usually the end of shows and everything. Of course, we're still doing this COVID convention time. So a lot of shows got moved around and everything. New York City Comic Con is going on as we record. But even with that going into day two... There's not a lot of news, but we do have a few things to talk about. And then we're just going to focus on some of the shows that have been dropping because that's what fall does bring us as TV comes back around in the cycle. And there's lots of really cool stuff going on in the small screen space. But on the top of news, for all of you that are interested, by the time that you hear this wonderful podcast, DC Fandom will be the coming weekend. So October 16th. So if you remember, DC's been doing these 100% online events, the fandom. I don't know how they got to fandom. It's not fandom. I'm saying the word dome. And they have like these mini online cons and drop all their trailers and new work in comics print, comics digital, and their shows, movies, DCU, all that good stuff. The next one is the 16th. So go ahead, mark your calendars. You can check out the link for some of the pre-stuff that they're starting to announce, but it looks like they're going to be announcing their full slate of small screen stuff that's coming up. They've been doing a lot of things with Webtoon for digital-based weekly web-based comic type stuff. They're getting into podcasting. They're like almost even literally bringing back like the old-timey radio dramas and they're doing a bat- Batman one in that style. Well, dude, so did you see who the oh. cast is for the Batman one? Uh-huh. 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 Freaking Jeffrey Wright as Batman. Um mm. John Leguizamo, Rosario Dawson, and Yeah, it's no joke. They're going all in. They're going all in, and but that dude, um, like, so in just this month, Jeffrey Wright is the Watcher, the Batman, and Destiny in the Sandman stuff. Oh so, well, you know, they're they're just doing the thing. It's completely fine. <laughs> he's doing all of the things. That's a lot. It's great though. I mean, he's killing it. Yeah. So, uh. I haven't had a chance to really catch any of these events in real time, but I definitely absorb all of the content as they happen. So this is DC Fanboy Central up in here. So we'll definitely be bringing you some of that uh, that goodness as it happens on the 16th. So mark your calendars, listen to us, and then prepare yourself for all of the wonderful DC stuff that is going to come the following weekend. Well, also that weekend is LTN Con online. So when this is in your ear holes... Potentially, you should still have time to like register or whatever for that. If you want to check that out, there's going to be some good stuff. Are you doing any stuffs? For that? I have I have no stuffs because of working on our Columbus Got Game stuff here in Columbus, Georgia has been a thing. Um, starting your own nonprofit and and all that is is lots of work. It turns out. Um, <laughs> who knew? Uh, so yeah, but I've heard that you definitely have at least a breakout session. So if folks are looking for learning a little more about that cross of, of your faith and where comics and all that stuff lay out, because, you know, believe it or not, that's, that's what we're here for. We do mention that occasionally every now and then, if that's what you're looking for, love thy nerd con is, is coming up and you'll get that chance. So hop on it. 
you can register for free or you can pay to get some swag and stuff too. Um, but I, I have a uh, session that's uh, 20 pro tips to uh, being Jesus at a Comic-Con. That, that's going to be fun. I think it's like Saturday at 4 Eastern. Eastern. On the 16th. There yeah. you go. So 3 p.m. Central or whatever. But yeah, so all of the online cons happening all over the places. Yeah. So you, you, you can catch Hector as seen on DC Swamp Thing at LTN Con <laughs> on, on that weekend as well. Let's look at it. Yeah, I, so I do have Marvel news and the Marvel folks. Um, yeah, sorry, not sorry. But it's not great. We mentioned, I think it was last episode or possibly the episode before, but the fact that Marvel was going to step out with another independent um, distributor stepping. Well, they're sharing distribution with, with Diamond, but Penguin Random House stepped in to be kind of, you know, DC had Lunar and everyone else when they went independent. Penguin Random House is Marvel's choice, and the first round of shipping occurred this week. And kind of ear to the ground and listening to a lot of my friends in the space and other retailers, it was a little rocky. Lots of pictures of completely destroyed boxes, um, some pretty banged up comics, and, you know, we, shipping stuff is hard in general. I mean, it's fair to say that up front, and Diamond has always battled with this, but um, for the first day out, Penguin Random House... Uh, it sounds like damaged more than they delivered. Um, and I don't think that's an oversell of it because of the number of pictures I've seen and everything is the cardboard boxes they chose are definitely subpar to what Diamond had spent many years getting to. And part of that is because cardboard's expensive when you get a lot of it to protect stuff. It weighs a lot and weight is what base shipping on. So that's a thing. So a lot of folks ended up with no books to sell or really difficult position. I don't know how many of you experienced that or not, but Diamond still is shipping Marvel Comics, but it was at a different discount tier. So some retailers rolled the dice to pay more money to stay with Diamond, um, concerned what might happen. And the only thing that made it potentially worse was in every single box that Penguin Random House sent out, they also included a half page that was like printed on a color printer of a picture of their warehouse and their people packing the boxes with basically the text that said, we care so much about your product. And they were in these boxes that were completely mutilated. <laughs> That's some Dunder Mifflin-ish right there. Yeah, no, they were definitely trying to be the paper people, people, paper, whatever. That, you know what I'm saying. Um, So... I mean, I guess A for effort, <laughs> but some some shops, unfortunately, were not super entertained by that. Some replacements had already started shipping um, yesterday, and clearly they, they got the message because I saw pictures from some shops where they, like, literally bubble-wrapped a box inside a box inside a box for the replacements. So... I'm curious to see how that all settles down over the next couple weeks and everything, but it was an educational first day for Marvel's new distribution. So again, it's one of those, we can, we can make fun of diamond as much as we want, but technically they've got many decades kind of figuring this out and the new folks got to kind of have to figure it out on the fly. And that's kind of what's happening. So if you didn't get Marvel books this week and you weren't sure, well, that's probably why. Or you're very aware because your shop owner told you the same story that we just told you. So we'll be keeping an eye on it because it does impact the flow of comics and everything. And uh, I don't have an article for it, but I know I've also heard kind of related to this that if you've noticed, like a bunch of stuff in general is hard to come by at the grocery store, et cetera, that logistics and everything has been a word in the news for like the last month. Yeah. Apparently there are rumors of paper shortages that will potentially impact books towards the end of this month and into November as well. Yeah. I just, I saw an article yesterday that said, uh, there is not enough paper to print the comics for the rest of the year. Right. So that's a, that's a thing too. There's a lot going on out there. But we'll try to stay on top of it and deliver you all that wonderful news so you know when your books are or are not going to show up. But to kind of round out our news section, Hector brought up before the show that we should talk a little bit about all those cool shows that are on, on the small screen television that are honestly, <laughs> I'm having trouble keeping up because they all release at the same time now. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, tell tell me where you what what you want to talk about there. Uh, so how far I, are I you am, on Titans? Episode seven. 
Okay, what's what's the last thing that's happened with you, just so I know where you're at? That's a good question. I must be a week or two behind. I'm at least on episode seven too as well, but I just didn't want to like spoil things for you or for the other good people. I'm okay. But... On the small screen stuff, I enjoy the ride either way. For the rest of you, you know, this is like the five minutes you can skip of the podcast. <laughs> Well, I don't think it's going to be major spoilers because we're all weeks behind here. Um, yep. <laughs> I feel like that what they were doing with Red Hood was a little more fleshed out once we got into the Scarecrow aspect of it. Right. Um, I was going to say that I remember you said this, this would have been better if they gave us more of the backstory and then they actually did it. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I was like, oh, the, okay. Have you got to the Supernatural episode? <laughs> Maybe that's the one I missed. Okay. So... Um, there's an episode that's basically a straight up episode of Supernatural <laughs> where uh, Hank and Wonder Girl. Oh, that's the last one I saw. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hank and Wonder Girl and Tim Drake are riding around in what I can't remember what the car was, but it's darn near an Impala um, mm. riding around in the afterlife fighting monsters. And I'm like, if they don't play carry on my wayward son in this episode. I'm going to be so sad. Um, <laughs> but that's the one thing I'll say. And that was the big thing. I think that's where I ended it, too, that uh, Donna and um, Tim came back to life. But they also right. left it open for, um, you know, Hawk to come back in the future. Um, yes. But I just I just read this week. Do you know why they killed off Hawk? No. So I read an article from the actor that plays Hawk. They killed him off at his request. Oh. Okay. And because he was offered another role. And he handled it very tastefully in saying, um, listen, this has been offered to me. I don't want to be a douche. I love this show. Um, can you write me out? <laughs> <laughs> and so get this. This is the show that he's doing. He's the new Jack Reacher. Oh, dang. Okay. So I don't remember what network it is, but someone's trying to pull off the same Jack Ryan vibe with John Krasinski. Um, but they're making right. him Jack Reacher. Okay. Which I think he'd do a killer job at. Um, honestly, I would buy him as Jack Reacher more than I would Tom Cruise. Um, yeah. Like, on a real scale. So, um, that's being said, so Titans, honestly, like, I was very like, man, they really pooped on the Red Hood and all this <laughs> stuff out the gate. I was like, because it was pretty intimidating. The stoner Scarecrow thing does get a little overplayed. Um, yep. Uh, but it's still interesting. Um yeah, but I know it's getting a little even twistier as it's going along and making Leslie Tompkins a psychiatrist versus, you know, a doctor was its own thing. Um, right. But I will say I'm pretty intrigued with what they did with Batgirl or Barbara Gordon. Um, yes, because she wasn't because like that's the thing we see like I you show me Barbara Gordon in a wheelchair like I automatically think I know your whole backstory. Yep. And then, like, as every episode ticked on, I'm like, I don't know crap. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing here. Um, so a Barbara Gordon that wasn't Batgirl, a Barbara Gordon that, you know, does those things. And, you know, I'm really impressed with the fact that they have a woman with a disability playing the role. And yes. doing, like, the, the fact that they went into the effort to actually do that well. Um, it's pretty cool. And it's just so, and it's also, you know, on the filmmaker end of things, like I'm watching the cut scenes and the flashbacks as they're swapping actresses, um, for like, there's one scene where they're doing like some cat burglary stuff. Right. And like, they're swapping stunt actresses or whatever else for the wide shots and everything. And I'm like, okay, y'all are doing cool things. Um, but what they've done with Barbara Gordon has been probably one of the most interesting turns for me in terms of like, you know. Y'all did a good job. Um, yeah. And I think that's a great point is that for most folks, like you said, you see Barbara in a wheelchair. It's like, yep, know how this happened. And then the show's like, mm, do you? It, so. is, it was, it was kind of also weird to see Dick go astray so like weirdly and easily over mm. her. But it's yep. just like, you know, I'll, 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 I'll say in this, like the Titan stuff, like see the big season started off with a point that made me feel like, Oh, they've, they've hit, they've run aground. They're, they're tanking this thing. And then, you know, a few episodes in, I'm like, Oh no, this is still pretty great. Um, so that being said, uh, Titans is kind of picked up. I'm still a few episodes behind, but probably not for long. October is usually like, you know, when things start to slow down and I'm actually home and I start writing more and 
all this stuff. Although it just felt like a long October for about a year. But that's being said, I haven't started Doom Patrol. Have you done? Are you up on Doom Patrol? It's so good. <laughs> I, do, I haven't seen this week's because um, it would have just dropped. But it is they continue going deeper and deeper and deeper into Doom Patrol has always been the completely wacko off the wall gonzo broken team of broken people that are trying to do good things but also figure out their brokenness and doom patrol just leans into the deep cut in season three (laughs) like not even a little like a lot so they started at a place that i think they felt a lot of people would be familiar with with the morrison run and everything now they're going back into stuff that's in the 60s and 70s super early Doom Patrol and super obscure that you're going to find yourself sitting there Googling every single character. And that's okay because you're going to have to. (laughs) Um, And they also introduce a couple people that from what I've heard are getting their own show out of all this potentially on the other side. And I won't get into that because they introduce you to them fairly early in the season. Um and it's still a moment, but it's another one of those. This is a thing. This was in comics. Yeah, <laughs> it was all in comics. Well, and for it, me, like uh, Michelle Gomez being in it was a selling point. Like if I hadn't already been watching Doom Patrol, her inclusion would have been like, OK, now I'm watching this. How is she? Let's see. Which character? I don't know which character she is. She's the new like uh, middle aged uh, sassy Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds promising. Yeah, no, that's (laughs) you don't we don't have a lot of her yet, but every the initial introduction and the pieces are just um, what? And she is a bit of a time traveler and shifter. I saw the shapeshift thing. There's there's a lot there, and to be honest, I think I missed a potential shift at one place. So watch critically, because I'm pretty sure something happened and we were supposed to be aware, but they did it so subtly, you may miss it. So she was... Uh, remember me talking about Missy on Doctor Who, those comics a yes, while back? Yes, That's her. Okay. Yep, it makes a lot of sense. Because she is the sassy, evil Mary Poppins of the doctor who world well basically same by the sounds of it so far well that's what i'm getting and it's like like, oh this is straight up missy um so if you enjoy her in this in the doom patrol thing you should definitely check out um doctor who's season like uh nine through ten maybe nine ten eleven where wherever capaldi jumps in eight nine ten yeah so yeah no uh doom patrol is still wonderfully strange in all of the right ways uh so what if you you aren't all in on the table on what if, are you? I have not seen the final episode, and I'm probably one of the people that are in the camp of uh, uh, I'm waiting for the point to get to arrive. And from what I've heard, the final episode does that for most people. <laughs> yeah. The final episode uh, brings it all in. But just before that, what, are, what have been the episodes you actually enjoyed? I mean, I really liked the um, Captain Carter um, right. from anim- from seeing the animation style and everything I, I didn't really I didn't dislike okay maybe that's the better thing is I don't think the zombie episode did anything for me no the other ones I at least understood what was being what the attempt was being made and what part of the sliver of things we were seeing none of them made me go wow yet except possibly the one just before um, the final oh with Ultron and the watch right the Watcher, yeah. And seeing that they were going to connect the whole evil strange, the, he can see the Watcher. The Watcher has been seen by the Ultron character. Like, I, I see where they're going now. So I think this is one I have to see how the plane lands to know for sure how I feel about it. But I feel like the zombie episode, they missed they missed their opportunities. I feel like the zombie episode was literally just something to give us to give us. Um um, just because zombies sell or whatever. Um, <laughs> do they though? <laughs> I think honestly, dude, it was just another it's Funko Pop sale was the the reasoning behind it. But beyond that, um, personally, the T'Challa Star Lord was one of my favorites. Still is. Yeah. 
Um, like that might be my favorite minus the finale. We we're big Karen Gillan people in our house. So like, you know, mm. Dr. Who Nebula, like, cause my kids still see her as Amy Pond and everything. And the fact that they got her for the show is one of my favorite parts, but just hearing her call T'Challa cha-cha, hey, cha-cha. <laughs> dude, right. I, it's like my tiniest human will walk up to me and like, just put her hand on me. Hey, cha-cha. And I'm like, <laughs> you dork. Um, but like that, <laughs> nerd that that episode gave me moments worth talking about so for me that's a big deal um and then honestly like i think my second favorite outside of the finale is the bro thor episode um it was pretty good i love darcy like me and kat dennings for life and um i just was happy to have natalie portman back and uh so yeah I, i had some fun with that but um i'll say this and uh because it'll be like you know a hot minute after the show airs before you hear this like it'll be you know at least the three days span so gonna discuss the finale real quick so fast forward like two minutes if that's gonna hurt your feelings um <laughs> womp womp. uh so the whole premise and I, you don't mind me telling you just nope, the premise nope, right good. okay so the whole premise is all of these episodes were to set up the fact that with ultron doing his thing the watcher is going to call on each of the main characters from these episodes to become the guardians of the multiverse. Mm. So each main character or at least a focal point of the episode is brought in to form a team to take out uh, Ultron. Okay. So it, it just makes for some interesting fun. So we got, we got everybody's origin story. Basically we got everybody's origin story. Then they brought them in and Here's the thing for me personally, like I feel like, and I I made a Facebook post about it, which has caused me no small amount of duress Um, because my inbox has been flooded with hateful comments and people acting like they know me and being sassy. Um, sassy. I'm like, I can have an opinion. (laughs) Like I had a pastor friend, like remove me from a missions network over my opinion on this wow but uh he's like he's like you're not part of the conclave anymore or whatever Um, wow you got voted uh, off the island i did i got voted off the island for say but personally and if you if you know me you know that uh, i'm not the biggest fan of endgame or infinity war um yeah i have lots of mediocre feelings towards it and outside of the from like with endgame it's you know once we hit that point of uh you know, Cap picking up the hammer and the Avengers assemble. Everything from that point on, I'm dope with. Everything before that, I could have lived without. Um, so that being said, in the amount of entertainment per capita, I enjoyed that the was, finale. What'd you, what'd you say? I was going to say that that's like a technical term, like per capita. Yeah. The amount. Okay. So between the six hours of Endgame and Infinity War, and the 40 minutes of what if I enjoyed the 40 minutes of what if more than the six hours of the infinity story. Ooh. Yeah. I can, I can see why some people might, might get a, to take that slightly personal. And I, I was like, uh, it was just honest thing. I enjoyed it more. Um, like it was the simple thing. And so if, even if you want to say, if you put all of what if versus all of the infinity chunk right there, those two movies, I'll take that in a heartbeat. Um, minus the Avengers assemble cat picking up the hammer minus that I enjoyed yep. the payoff of this more. We get a f- more fully fleshed out villain as Ultron with the infinity stuff than we got with Thanos. So right mm. there, that's better. Um, we got an interesting team where it wasn't just, Hey, everybody's playing the roles we always expect them to play and trying to leave their contracts. Instead, it was, I don't know how this team's going to function. And it's really interesting. Um, Yeah. Doctor Strange in this, I felt like he was doing more Doctor Strange stuff than just, you know, doing interpretive dance. Because it was just, I I just feel like there's a lot more payoff. So I had more fun with it. Now, that may not be an opinion that lives in my head forever. That's where I'm at right now. And so if you're hurt and offended, um, Love Thy Nerd made me say that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> hi <laughs> It's in my contract. I have to say something offensive. I'm supposed to be the Howard Stern of this show. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I'm offended. <laughs> darn it, Chris. <laughs> you and your snowflake principles. Um, 
Aw. <laughs> I'm offended. Um, <laughs> no, but it's just, I just straight up, I've enjoyed that. And um, the just the amount of like nerdy TV lately has been dope. And um, It's been I'm pretty looking, great. It has been pretty great. And honestly, I'm looking forward to Hawkeye. I'm, you know, looking forward to this stuff. It's, you know, th- this podcast has lived longer than Disney Plus. Yep. And honestly, I got to say, it's Disney Plus has really brought some solidarity and quality to nerd TV. And HBO so, Max. And HBO Max. Not not discrediting I, I, that. I, I, think, I think you're right, though, that technically Disney Plus has carved a more specific um, spot. But I think HBO is really starting to lean into it. And I think we're going to see it in the next two years that they're going to start going even more obscure in the stuff they provide, but at high quality. So I, I'm all about the fact that both HBO and Disney are like, oh, yeah, we are totally willing to spend money on this. Um, it's like when I hear the stuff that HBO is spending money on, I'm like, for real? Right. I'm like, right. all this and I can't get a Swamp Thing season two. Okay. Yep. Yep. okay. Sorry, bro. It's just um, how it's going to work out. Which... um. There are, I'm not allowed to say anything yet, but there are some nerd shows being filmed in my area and I am waiting on a poke and a piece of paper to be able to do it. Nice. Uh, yep. Gonna, gonna update that IMDB. Yeah. All, all shows and things being filmed in my area are now uh, mandatory vaccinations. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's true even in Atlanta. Yeah. And, you know, that's just I was getting there. It was just like, you know, (laughs) they're like, and you have to have it and be two weeks after it. So I literally have gotten a text or email for extra work every day of the week. And I'm just like, I can't. Yeah, I'm coming. (laughs) So no, two weeks from today, I'll be good to go. Um, So we'll get that. So, um, yeah. So that's all the nerdy TV stuff. It's just been rattling my brain as I was playing catch up this week with stuff. Sweet. Well, that's a lot of the stuff that our folks needed to know in our biweekly look at the industry and television and everything else in between. And you can join us in on this conversation. It's not just Hector and I talking into microphones and at each other. We actually hang out on the Love Thy Nerd Discord server and in their Facebook community. So go ahead and jump on either of those things. Tell us what you liked, what you hated, possibly even what we missed. I'm pretty sure we missed stuff this week. It happens. But Join in in the conversation. It's all about community enjoying all of this wonderful stuff together. So come and see us out on the socials and Hector will try not to break your fragility, but everything will be fine. What's up, nerd? You digging this podcast? Well, the audio enjoyment doesn't end there. Visit LTNOnAir.com and make LTN Radio your new go-to for the best Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie, as well as our exclusive LTN shows and podcasts, some of which air on the station before they're available anywhere else. Visit LTNOnAir.com to listen now and find the link to our app. Now back to the show. That leads us into the good stuff, the extra meat. We talked about the small screen. Now it's time to talk about the pulp, the singles, the floppies, uh, the comics themselves. So, Hector, um, I what dare you, you to got? walk into a comic shop and be like, hey, man, you got some floppies? Uh, depending how old the person is behind the counter, they're going to smile and go, my people. And then if not, Were they're they going to be like, actually called what? floppies? Yeah, if you go back far enough, you will definitely find some people that talk that way. Wow. I didn't yeah. realize that. Okay, it's, cool, cool. It's, it's a thing. All right, so uh, I'm, I'm going to... So, yeah, te- yeah, tell us what's in the long box, yo. So, um, I'm going to jump into, like, rabbit trail real quick, but just to do <laughs> this. Um, it's, not, it's not a rabbit trail when the world is my microphone. Um, Hi-yo. It's not t-shirt worthy, but it's pretty good. Um, yeah. So, I, uh, back in May, started listening to the Sandman Audio Volume 1. Mm, mm-hmm. And it was magnificent. Um, it was my introduction to a lot of the Sandman universe. Um, I sand the volume two just came out on Audible uh, like two weeks ago, maybe or less. Um, now uh, here's the thing, and I just recommend this for people that aren't about that life. I don't have an Audible account. I don't want to listen to books in general. I like to read books. I'm not against it, but I'd more I'd rather read. But when you put a freaking A-game cast together of a production... Now, they're yep. calling this just an audible thing, but this is something DC's been doing forever with stuff like 52 and yep. other books where they don't just do a little... Like, this is the full audio production. Um, and Sandman is a freaking masterpiece. 
um, in audio format. Personally speaking, I always struggled reading Sandman comics because the artwork was so weird, and I feel very much that's in the same vein of um, uh, Umbrella Academy, where what the artist has going on in his head and thinks we see (laughs) is not what's actually on paper. It's like there's a lot more that we're supposed to understand and perceive on paper than what is actually communicated. I feel like that's the the crutch of the Umbrella Academy books, way more so than Sandman, but I feel like it applies to Sandman as well. Um, the art's just funky, and like it's really deep dives. Um, mm-hmm. But when you have Neil Gaiman narrating you the entire story to you and giving you all the little details... Oh man, it's such a better story. Mm. Um, like he's like the way Neil Gaiman um describes things as like the before the actor's dialogue comes in just sets everything up so beautifully. Um now, and here's what I was gonna say to get around to that. If you don't have an audible account and you don't want an audible account, I've found this wonderful thing and that on Amazon you can buy a CD, a single CD, or maybe two. That is an MP3 disc of the entire Audible production. Um, oh, wow. and, and you can just pop it in your car without ever having an Audible account. They're like 20 bucks or 20 to 30 bucks. So for the same price of a hardback book, you can get the physical copy of the Audible version of Sandman 1 and 2. And I have those and they're freaking wonderful. Um, so if you still have a CD player in your car, it should play MP3s and you can just pop a disc in there. All that being said, um, as I was listening to Sam Man, there, there's a lot of stories that are super long and take multiple issues and stuff. But uh, I came across one listening to the Audible that made me go back and buy the book, um, the physical book. Um, but have like in your American history stuff, do you know anything about Emperor Norton? No. Okay, so for all of you nerds out there, uh, which is probably everybody listening to this, um, this is a real thing where in America. Back in the day, there was a man in San Francisco named Emperor Norton who declared himself the Emperor of the United States. Oh, yeah. And he straight up lived his life with the full understanding that he was the Emperor and he walked around and people just went with it. You could buy, before the man died, you could buy souvenirs of him in San Francisco gift shops. Um, He made his living by selling currency that he made up straight up shroot books, guys. Um, and people would pay U.S. currency for Norton dollars. Wow. Yeah, that's a real thing. It's part of American history. I didn't oh, know. Oh, yeah, it. no. It, 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 there's a Wikipedia page in everything. Because, of yep. course, there is. Yeah. Um, and it's Norton the first. Yes, yes. Emperor of the United States. Yes. The first and only emperor of these United States. Um, With the secondary title of the protector of Mexico. Yeah. (laughs) And here's the thing, too. On the Audible thing, just to give you why this is so good, he's played by John Lithgow, guys. And, <laughs> and he just goes ham. All right. But the whole the whole reason why this is on my poll is there's this great thing where if you're familiar with Sandland, they're the endless, which are these entities outside of all the things that watch over all the things. Um, but there's seven and they all start with these. There's destruction, destiny, death, delirium, del- uh, dream and yep. despair. I might have left some out. Um, but uh, Norton is about to kill himself. This is before he's emperor. And Despair calls Dream in, and they have a wager of who can get claim on this guy before death takes him. And so Despair, Desire, Delirium, and Dream are all making functional plays for this dude's life. Ooh. And the reason why uh, he thinks he's Emperor is because... He thinks the world hasn't been as good since we've had a king. or um, That's what's wrong with America. And sure. so Dream Dream just puts it into his head that he's the king. And <laughs> that one thing keeps him going. And there's just some really deep like life stuff there. The fact that you know it's not your lusts. It's not what you give into. It's not what you get lost yourself in. It's just having something in yourself to believe in to push you forward. Just story plays out really cool. Um, it's good in audio, it's good in print, um, and you can find it if you don't want to delve through a thousand 
Sandman books or whatever to find it, or it's just hard to find because it is forever old. You can pick up a digital copy for a dollar ninety nine. Um, boom. boom. So that's on my pulls, and I'm gonna be quick with my pulls because I talk forever. Um, <laughs> the Me You Love in the Dark is absolutely a freaking masterpiece. We're three issues in. It's a woman in a house trying to find her muse and finds that her house is haunted, and the ghost in her house and her become increasingly chummy. Um, oh, they're they're friends now. Yeah, that's not going to go well, though. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so book issue three starts off with like the ghost being like, oh, stop painting. Let's play together. <laughs> nope. Saw this movie. Mm-mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And like he's pulling her paint supplies away and she's like, nope. I have to work and blah, blah, blah. And then it puts on her favorite record. Um, and she's like, fine. I'll. And then like it shows a dance scene between the two of them. And it's again. The visuals of this book are worth every penny. If you don't even read the pant, if you don't even read the words, it's worth it just to flip through the pages. Um, and uh, so that being said, it's good. Um, but towards he, the ghost does something incredibly nice where it shows their relationship where they watch movies together and she sleeps with his head on lap. And here's the thing: this thing is monstrous, and it's like they keep him in the shadows so you can't fully see him. He right, does right. something so sweet for her that she decides that she's going to take this further. Oh. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So issue three ends with her inviting in a level of intimacy. Um, And they, after the end of issue three, there's a preview of issue four with no dialogue. And it looks like torment, anxiety, anguish, and chaos. So whatever happens, it's looking rough. Me, Love yeah. in the Dark, um, I love it. It's probably one of my favorite books just to look at. Um, nice House on the Lake, number five. Um, continues yeah, your, the, your pulls so far are incredibly dark. Go on. The, <laughs> it's a season. <laughs> it's, yeah, well, I have one of those books on my list, so we can talk about, yeah, it's October. Yeah, I was like, nah, dude, you, you have Jeff Lemire on your stuff almost all the time. <laughs> you have problems, yeah. too. Um, <laughs> um, but the me you love in the dark and the nice house on the lake, they've not disappointed me yet. Um, but the nice house on the lake straight up, uh, just keeps getting better. And, um, this is them finding out, uh, further, like the layers of this mystery. And it's like, uh, I'm, I'm not even gonna throw in a lot more to it. Like if I, if I haven't sold you on this book yet, I don't think I can. But they keep adding layers to it to the point where you still have no clue how this plays out. Um, Mm. And they keep adding elements that make the mystery bigger with every issue. Um, So, yeah. Uh, And then uh, I'm just going to throw out Wonder Woman, the 80th anniversary special. Spectacular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And this is like a a 100-page anthology book. And I'll say this. Every issue is, every, every one is not gold. And in fact, let's say there are five stories, maybe there's six, two of them are gold. Um, but it's gold enough to me that it was worth purchasing. Um, there's one uh, that starts off as Trevor, uh, Steve Trevor, making a documentary about Wonder Woman's life after she's gone. Mm. And, and it's beautiful. Um, and like it hits hard. But the other one is Tom King. Uh, oh, surprise. <laughs> it's Hector yeah. and a Tom King story. Um I, I vented about Rorschach last week, last time, right? Yep. About my Okay, cool. I'm not going to go in there then. Um, this is Lois trying to set up Clark and Diana. Oh, okay. And which, set, which okay. <laughs> yeah. This is before Clark and Lois are together, I guess. Right, and right. Um, Wonder Woman has lost her powers at this point in the story and tries to set them up on a date. And it's all the awkward, gross, confused, weird stuff you could imagine. But beyond that, um, Tom King delivers one of the sickest burns on Superman I've ever heard in the pages of comics. And if it was nothing before that one page, I would have bought this book. If, if, if there's nothing else good, it would have made this pull for that one line. Um, so I'm just going to say it. I'm done. You're up. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, how do I follow that? Oh, I know how. Um, some comics. So, Crossover is back. 
uh, crossover number eight hit, and it's back to the original team. So if you remember in number seven, um, after the initial first arc of one through six, uh, Chip Zdarsky like took over, quote unquote. And it turns out that that's part of the ongoing crossover gimmick. And I had to slow clap just as the book began because it was originally kind of sold that Chip was going to write the second arc. Nope. Chip was just going to write the one book where he wrote himself into it and did something really weird. And then Donnie comes back and literally does like a recap. And then in the middle apologizes for the guest writer and an artist in the crossover because that's a thing and moved on like it almost didn't happen. (laughs) So the point where we're at in crossover, which is literally a meta story about all comics crossing over with the real world is also metaing itself in comics. So that was the guest artist and writer for literally a single issue that feels in continuity, but really isn't. And the fourth wall is just getting beat stupid. But the entire first half of the book crossover is drawn like it's drawn in pen, like a regular ballpoint pen on legal paper because it's some dude that they have locked in captivity, which I'm making the call now is literally Donnie Cates (laughs) or Jeff Shaw. And because what he did is he said, oh, no, no, no. This is what was supposed to happen, but you got the chip thing instead. And the first half of the book is how the first arc was supposed to end, but it's all drawn in really rough sketch, like storyboard instead of finished pages. So the level of meta is getting deeper in crossover and the number of actual image crossovers into the book crossover has now increased (laughs) again with new characters that creators and image have said, yep, you can use them that. This book is just funny for its commentary at this point, while also telling a really interesting story. So, yeah, it really made my head hurt. And as I was reading it, I just kind of stopped and I was like, that's really kind of (laughs) brilliant. You did the thing and you didn't even blink and you just moved on. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, So I'm happy for it. I also did read Firefly had a one off called uh, River Run. And if you're curious, because I know you haven't been picking these up, um, you might want to get this one. It's literally a one shot of of River's rescue. We know that her brother rescued her, but we don't know the story. This book is the rescue. And more than it, the movie and the show together. Yeah, it gives a little more. It it gets the what he was doing, how he got the information, and. Technically, they kind of ran through the physical rescue part because we have those pieces to it. It's everything leading up to that point. Um, It gives some flashback of their history growing up before she was taken, a little more on the academy, and then how he actually positioned himself to find her and an extractor. So it it puts a little more flesh on the bone, and I didn't hate it. In fact, I kind of liked it a lot. Um, So that's good stuff. Um... My other, which I was pretty happy with, is I read the Arkham City, the Order of the World. Did you did you happen to read that one, or was that a book too far? One. I did. So, uh, talking about October and dark stories and everything, and trust us, fam. Uh, DC and Marvel are going to throw a billion spoopy stories at us in the next couple of weeks, but DC's got like a billion. There's uh, Task Force Z, where they got zombies. There's a versus vampires book coming. Um, there's this book. There is DC horror stories that they're running a bunch of. Are you afraid of the dark side? Yeah, there's there's just all these books. But this one um, felt like seven. You remember the movie Seven? Yeah. Um, that this is the the oh, Gotham that's a good comparison. I feel like it is because you're like, wow, this book's really dark. The art's kind of off-putting. I think it's off-putting on purpose. I think this entire book is designed to make you feel uncomfortable, and they succeeded. (laughs) Um, But it's a psychiatrist um, that is walking through all of the crazy people of Arkham, um, which had gone through an event. Um, Lots of people died, and there's lots of folks. I'm still sad we're on that. I'm like, when is that payoff? My gosh. It's not. So they tied it together, but she she is walking through the capture of all the different escaped denizens of um, Arkham and kind of their backstories. So like Ratcatcher is like super dark. Um, the Mad Hatter is super dark. Um, so 
it, it gave me the October feels I was looking for. Um, and it's a lot creepier than I expected that it could be. So if you're looking for like that really kind of spooky thriller, like I said, it's got seven vibes and the, I think it does on purpose because there's details definitely in the art and the story that I think were designed to pick up, but they're not beating us over the head with. And they're just showing us the darker side of some of these villains that we already know about. Like <laughs> reminding people how messed up pig is, um, <laughs> is unsettling and will always be unsettling. But Ratcatcher, like, caught me really surprised at how dark they were able to make that character as well. And I'm just like, yep, okay, got it, good. <laughs> yep, I'm not a fan of when companies do Halloween books just to do Halloween books. Agreed. When you do a good scary story, I'm down. And this is a great place to put that tack in it that the um, the Dark Side book is like their standard Halloween anthology. And I always get it and I always hate it. <laughs> It's the worst. Yeah. Here's so, the worst book I bought this week. Yep. And so that's why I wanted to say this is if you're looking for that spooky book, there it is. Or look at any of my emo polls for the last six months. Yeah, so. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Broody boy. And then finally, uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 74, also known as Legacy number 875, um, is the end of uh, Nick Spencer's run on Amazing Spider-Man. And pulls together the Kindred thing, which Hector got me into, and then I stuck with just to see how the whole thing played out. And it which plays I out. All the issues to finish it out. I just haven't yeah. read them yet. I think it it played out pretty well, all things considered. It was Mephisto. Spoilers. No more probably. <laughs> it was Mephisto. Um, and playing back to the whole him and Doctor Strange game that started in the desert in Vegas and all of that. So, okay, slow clap, great. I feel like it ended up in a decent place. It explains some of the crazy things that occurred. Um, and then it transitions into a completely new run uh, in Amazing 75. And you're just going to have to read it to find out. All of you fans of Ben Riley, congrats. You're about to get more Ben Riley than you know what to do with or shake a stick at. So congrats. Um, for folks that aren't in love with that, well, maybe this is the jumping off point for you officially. Um, so, yeah, it is what it is. So, yeah, I think all of our polls were kind of tight and and fancy this week. And so let's close out this bad boy with that that numero uno of choice. So what you got? You go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to finish on my spooky run. So I saw tons and tons and tons and tons of advertising for this book out from AWA, which has been a pretty up and coming um, independent. They've been doing lots of kind of neat little books. So I don't expect this to be a long run because they usually do kind of set arcs and everything. I'll say this right now that the book out plays on a trope that everyone has seen at least 47,000 times, but I'm at least semi-intrigued by it every time to see if we go down the same path or if we get a new one. And this is, we get introduced to a bunch of allied World War II soldiers being brought to a castle deep in Third Reich territory during the war. So as you're putting the pieces together, you're like, cool, lots of Nazis walking around, World War II, we're going to a castle. Yeah, so this is going to be some occult stuff, right? Yeah, well, it is. We don't know for sure what, but it would appear that they are trying to raise some type of dark force in this castle. And they've been using it as a prison as well because reasons. And the prisoners don't know what they're doing there until really large vampiric type things come out at the end of the first episode and start eating all of the people. It's October. And I guess the Nazis in World War II trying to figure out occult stuff is still a thing. Or there's going to be something new here. So I at least want to hang out long enough to find out if... I mean, I'm a fan of Hellboy. So I'm going to at least sit here and go, are you going to give me something new and interesting and cool? Or is this literally the story we've seen 47,000 times? You will have to come to your own determination on that. But the art's kind of neat. Um, the discussions back and forth are kind of cool in the beginning. And I'm just curious to see how the monsters basically break bad in, in this and see how it all plays out. It'll probably only take me issue two to find out whether I'm sticking or not. <laughs> so, yeah, there it is. And More I think spooky. this is me also saying that I'm just going to try to find spoopy stuff for, for October. So maybe next episode is we got to find our favorite spoopy book so far. Maybe. Um, I would have put the uh, Arkham book as my number one. Um, mm -hmm. 
like in that terms i just for the sake of number ones i also did pick up deathstroke inc number one mm. it was okay um it was not what i expected at all and i don't know that i'll pick it up anymore um <laughs> okay um it's uh deathstroke and canary working for an organization to bring in bad guys they're fighting hive there's bees and honey um bees bees and uh deathstroke gets to play with some of batman's equipment that i guess got bought when he went broke by this company so you see deathstroke riding in on a batmobile with a gatling gun but then you also then you also see people covered in honey um so it's its own thing um but the book ends with the basically like, why are you doing this? Is the conversation <laughs> they're having. And it's that. <laughs> why are we here? Yeah, it's like, well, Deathstroke, as he chews and looks into the sunset, I've always strode that line between hero and villain. Mm-hmm. And someone offered me a chance to become a good guy. I thought I'd see where it takes me. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Okay. And uh, so Black Canaries, and I'm a good guy. And then you find <laughs> at the, the last page is the organization that running it. Yes, we can take down evil and use the good guys to do it. Ha ha ha. But we're really evil. So. <laughs> but we're, we are secretly evil. It's the vibe I got. It doesn't say that specifically, but that's super the vibe. So that's it. It was fun. I would read it if I didn't have to pay for it. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to pay for it again until they'd make me. So that's it. It was a number one. If you like Deathstroke, Canary, or Honey, this is your issue. <laughs> it's a jar of bees. Basically. That's it. Just a jar of bees. If you put a Deathstroke action figure and a Black Canary action figure in a jar of honey and shake it up, it's about the same consistency as this issue. Mmm. <laughs> Go <laughs> that's ahead. Co- that's colorful. <laughs> um, yeah. So on that note, I guess that's going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 60 is in the books and now in your ears. Hector and I want to thank each and every one of you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a, well, nearly weekly basis. Uh, So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your favorite podcasting app of choice. We're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. Podcasts can be found a lot of places. You'll probably find us there. If not, tell us, and we'll be there. That's how we roll. But thanks for listening, and remember, kids, read more comics. Seven continents is a game of risk.